listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Our scripture is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulder and rejoices. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I'd lost." Just so, I tell you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a lot of times we treat these two parables like they're an extended introduction to the real parable, the real meaty one, which is, of course, the parable of the prodigal son. The parable of the prodigal son comes next. But I believe that Jesus was trying to tell us something special in these parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin that are more than just an introduction to the prodigal son, which is also, you know, one of the all-time great parables. So there's this question that has been plaguing me this week. Kind of all week long, I was going back and forth about it. Here's my question. Do you think that Jesus was eating with the tax collectors and the sinners to try to get them to repent? Or was he hanging out with them just to hang out with them? Was the purpose of Jesus eating with these sinners to try to witness to them and get them to repent? Or was he just being with these people? Maybe he thought their jokes were funnier than the religious leaders. I have no doubt that's probably true. Maybe he just didn't like the the, the stuffy religiosity of the religious people and wanted to hang out with the tax collectors and sinners. Or maybe he was trying to have some kind of a, uh, like a missionary meal with them to try to present them his gospel, to try to get them to repent of their sins so that they wouldn't be sinners anymore. And, And different people have different perspectives on this. Right? Some people believe that Jesus hung out with sinners just because he liked them. Some people believe that Jesus hung out with sinners because he was trying to, for lack of a better word, convert them. And the thing is, I don't know. I, I can't get inside the head of Jesus to know why he did what he did unless he, you know, explained it in the Bible. 
But I do think there is a clue as to what was going on with Jesus and why he was eating with them. And he lays it out in these parables. I think the answer to this question of why Jesus ate with the tax collectors and the sinners is that Jesus just doesn't recognize the categories that we recognize. Jesus does not recognize the category of sinner versus the category of righteous person. That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is talking about the lost sheep. Well, all the sheep are sheep. One of them just happens to be in a different place than the other ones. All the coins are coins. One of them just happens to have fallen into the couch cushion. They're not different types of things. They're just in different locations. It's not like there are some good righteous sheep and some bad sinner sheep. They're all just sheep. They're all just sinners. We talked about this, it was either last week or a couple weeks ago, how the scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags to God because God is so holy. Which means that the most pompous religious leader that was criticizing Jesus was also one of the sinners. They just didn't recognize it. They just didn't recognize it yet. So I think Jesus just blew away all of these categories that the world was using to, to separate people from the righteous and the sinners, and Jesus was just being with people. If Jesus was eating with these tax collectors in order to get them to repent, it was no different than when he was going to the temple and reading the scriptures with the religious leaders trying to get them to repent. Anytime Jesus was with a person on earth, it was because he was with a person who needed to repent. Some of the sheep just had a better idea of their need for Jesus and their need for repentance than the other ones did. And Jesus ate with the people that he thought had a shot of recognizing their own lostness and might easily turn to him for repentance. <laughs> I've been really into Star Trek lately. And I just watched Star Trek II, the movie where Spock, spoiler alert for like a 30-year-old movie, Spock dies. But at the end, you know, he's in this chamber and he says, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And that's his, his reason for sacrificing himself. But Jesus doesn't act like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. In fact, Jesus in this parable, talks about how the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. The needs of the one lost sheep outweigh the needs of the 99 found sheep. He's not worried about the precedent that it's going to set. If I go and eat with these sinners, what are people going to think? People are going to think that sinning's okay. He's not worried about the precedent. He's not worried about the principle of the matter. He's worried about the lost sheep. He's worried about the tax collector sitting across the table in front of him. He's worried about loving the people and finding the lost sheep and the lost coin. For Jesus, the needs of the one are the needs of the many because to Jesus, each one of us, all the many people in the world are individuals who he deeply loves and desires and cares for. 
We're children that he loves. We're not some lost sea of faceless humanity. What's good for the one is good for the many in Jesus' eyes. And so he's going to pursue each of us as if we're that lost sheep because he loves each of us so much. And what I love is that these parables aren't just some intellectual exercise to get us to realize God's truth. Jesus is communicating feelings here. He's communicating the feelings of God. When I lose something, unless it's something super important, I generally have the attitude of, ah, it'll turn up. It'll turn up. Sarah Beth, however, is not like that. Sarah Beth does not believe that it'll turn up. In fact, if Sarah Beth loses something, that I know that I had better put all of my effort into finding it because our house will not rest until this thing is found. Sarah Beth goes into this mode that I can only describe as frantic, I would say, when she loses something. And um, I've tried. I've tried to just be like, I'm going to let her worry about that. But no, I can't do it because she's like, oh, maybe it's in here. Maybe it's in there. And, and it just gets this increasing, increasing. Um, I would say, craziness. I don't know. I, she goes absolutely off the rails when she loses something. Are you familiar with that emotion? That nagging, growing panic when you've looked for your keys everywhere you know to look and you still can't find them. And now you don't know where else to look, so you're looking in the weirdest places. Well, maybe I did leave it in the guest bathroom I never go into. I don't know. Maybe, you know, like, I don't know. I think this parable is meant to evoke that particular emotion in us to get us to realize how much God cares about his lost people. It's not just some intellectual exercise to God. He needs to have us back, and he won't rest until he finds us. Or maybe you've got a dog that's gotten out of the fence and run away. That happens to my dogs all the time. I've got dachshunds. They're basically weasels. And we've tried to, to patch up that fence, but they always find a way. And then, they, I don't know, there's just like these little narrow holes they can squeeze through. And they get out, and they cause all kind of mischief. But it's one thing when your dog runs away, and you holler at them, and they come back. But when you holler, and they don't come back, and then you spend the next half an hour, or hour, or day, or week looking for your dog, that's sad. There's, a, there's this panic that comes up. What, where are they? Where are they sleeping? What are they eating? What's happening to my dog? And it's like, I don't want to get another dog. I want this dog. I love this dog. It's not, this, I want my dog back. That's how Jesus feels about us. It doesn't matter that he's got 99 other sheep. He wants that sheep. He wants you. And then, of course, there's the utter relief when you find it. When Sarah Beth finally finds that thing that she's lost, there's just this peace that descends upon our households. She usually, I usually know when she's found it because I hear, woo 
from the other side of the house. And I'm like, oh, thank God, our nightmare's over. <laughs> these, these emotions are pretty universal. And it's amazing to me that God feels that way about me. When I repent of my sins and decide to follow him, God rejoices. The angels in heaven rejoice. God doesn't have an it'll turn up attitude about lost people. He has a tear this place apart trying to find it and get them back kind of attitude about lost people. And this news is good news for everybody. It's good news for you, and it's good news for me. But for some reason, it can kind of feel like bad news to the people who believe that they're special on account of their own self-righteousness. It can feel like bad news for people who believe that, they're, that following their own system will lead to life instead of choking you to death. It could feel like bad news for people who think that striving is the thing that leads to holiness. But it's good news for the people who are lost, who know they're lost, and get to draw near to Jesus to get found. And the fact is, in God's mind, in Jesus' point of view, there are no categories of people that are better off than others. And if God is seeking out these lost sheep with the emotional intensity of a Sarah Beth, and if the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the few, then we need to evaluate our priorities when it comes to how we think about the churched and the unchurched people that we're around. Because... If God is so desperate to seek out the lost, then we don't need to be comfortable sitting around enjoying each other all the time without also attempting to seek out the lost. Because the truth of the matter is that grace isn't fair. Right? Great. The, the very definition of grace is that it's not fair. If it was fair, then we'd all get what we deserved and we'd go to hell. But grace is not fair. It's more than we deserve. This is wildly abundant in the prodigal son story. Because you have the whole piece with the older son who gets jealous that the father threw a party for the younger son when he was the one that was sitting there all along. But it's here too. The 99 sheep are shepherdless while the shepherd goes and looks for the one. It's not fair to those 99 sheep that the whole attention of the shepherd will be focused on the one that got himself lost instead of on the 99 that were keeping their noses clean. It's not fair that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were striving as hard as they possibly could to do everything right for God, but then when God comes in the flesh, he'd rather eat with the tax collector that everybody hates than them. I'm doing my best here, and you'd rather go and, and eat and, and honor this, this sinner than me. It's not fair. It's totally unfair. But grace cannot be fair, because if it was fair, then it wouldn't be grace. And that is the scandalous truth of the good news of the gospel. 
everyone who thinks they deserve grace the least are the ones that receive it the most. There's a, a great book about grace that this, this whole chapter reminded me of. It's called The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's by a guy named Brendan Manning. Here's what he says in there. He says, in effect, Jesus says the kingdom of his father is not a subdivision for the self-righteous, nor those who feel they possess the state secret of salvation. The kingdom is not an exclusive, well-trimmed suburb with snobbish rules about who can live there. No, it is a far larger, homelier, less self-conscious self cast of people who understand they are sinners because they have experienced the yaw and pitch of moral struggle. The gospel of grace eliminates the two-class citizenship theory operative in many American churches. For grace proclaims the awesome truth that all is gift, all that is good is ours, not by right, but by the sheer bounty of a gracious God. Where there is much that we may have earned, our degree, our salary, our home and garden, a Miller Lite and a good night's sleep, all this is possible only because we have been given so much. Life itself, eyes to see, hand, eyes to see and hands to touch, a mind to shape ideas and a heart to beat with love. We've been given God in our souls and Christ in our flesh. We have the power to believe where others deny, to hope where others despair, to love where others hurt. This and so much more is sheer gift. It is not reward for our faithfulness, our generous disposition, or our heroic life of prayer. Even our fidelity is a gift. If we but turn to God, said St. Augustine, that itself is a, a gift from God. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. That's the truth of the gospel is that we are all recipients of grace and that grace is unfair because it's all more than we deserve. What a good God that would freely seek out the lost sheep. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're a person who doesn't feel like you deserve the love and the mercy of God. Maybe you feel like you shouldn't be here because you've done too much wrong. And really, you're right. You don't deserve the love and mercy of God, but neither does anyone else. And you get it anyway. God's love for you is that good. Or maybe you're here and there are people that you've been keeping at arm's length because you don't want to be associated with those people. Maybe we've written people off because of their weird cultural stuff that's different from us. Or maybe their religion or their denomination or the way they dress. There's any number of things that we categorize people into the good folks that are like us and the bad folks that aren't like us. Jesus doesn't see any of that. He doesn't group people into this two-class citizenship that we do. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags next to his. All he sees is lost sheep that he's desperate to get back. All he sees is children that he wants to rescue. People on whom to shower grace. So we have a choice. We can either 
choose to be a part of the way that God is extending his grace to other people. Or we can be a reason why they get excluded and shunned and feel like God doesn't love them. So let's eat with sinners. Not because they're our project. Not because we need to move them along the road to the repentance. Let Jesus take care of that. We eat with and we love folks because they're the folks that Jesus loves. That's all. And that's what we're called to do. If Jesus can leave the 99 to seek out the one, then we shouldn't be above loving that one and calling them to repentance as well. Let's go to God in prayer. God, so often we've, I don't know, we act like we have to be your policemen instead of your witnesses. Like we have to worry about who gets to participate in the life of God and who doesn't. But God, you, you just don't care about any of that stuff. You just want to reach lost people. You just want to love lost sheep. And so often the sheep that we write off are the ones that would recognize their own lostness and would respond in repentance just given the opportunity. Father, help us to repent of the ways in which we have failed to seek out your lost sheep. God, help us to repent of the ways in which we've been like the religious leaders that criticized you for the way you loved everybody. And give us the grace to extend your grace, your unfair, scandalous grace to everybody that we come across. Give us the strength to do so joyfully. In your name I pray, amen.